Okay, so good morning, everyone. And what we're doing now um, is discussing this week some figures that traversed, that traveled between Bavel and Eretz Again, the context is, the wider context of Zionism, the more specific topic, subtopic has recently been the Shal Shuas. And we will come back uh, to discussing the Shal Shuas. But if you recall, one of the places that we went to in the last time that we met was the position of Rabbi Yaakov Emden that he wrote in his Siddur, Sulam Basel, you know, the big essay, one of the big essays that he has, where he discusses various topics. One of the topics that he discusses over there was making Aliyah. And over there, if you recall, Rabbi Yaakov Emden was very, very strong about this. He effectively said that every single day a person has to be thinking about moving to Eretz Yisrael. It wasn't like we said for our Moshe Feinstein, right? In the Igris Moshe that we saw, that okay, moving to Eretz is a big mitzvah. That's how we pass it. But to mitzvah humus, like a mitzvah like sisters, if you have sisters, you're wearing them, you're Makayim a mitzvah. If you don't have them, of course, you're supposed to be. And ideally, if you can make Aliyah, fantastic. But you don't have to be thinking about it every single day and saying, oh, every single day I didn't have Dera. No, I'm taking a very different approach. Every single day, a person should be thinking about moving to Eretz Never, he can't move. But, and, he, and he criticizes in a very strong way those that have found their Eretz Yisrael in Spain and in Europe and in other various places in the diaspora, and therefore they no longer feel the need to move to Eretz Yisrael. So where I'd like to go, that was, I think, how we concluded a couple of weeks ago. And where I'd like to go now is to discuss the uh, a segue to that, which you find in the Shla. The Shla, Nilchas Abris, Shahar Prague, he's well known as uh, an early sort of precursor to the volume. So I'm just going to mute you. I forgot to do that. Oh, okay, there we go. So uh, the Shla, the Shla moves after the death of his wife. He's the chief rabbi of Prague. And after the death of his wife, he makes Aliyah to Eretz Yisrael. And he writes his ethical will, which is the Shla, the Shnei It's a quite a long ethical will, right? I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, and it becomes a classic, classic safer. It influences, you know, all the Kabbalistic and Hasidic, Hasidic thinkers since. So in the Shnei which was published by his son, in relation to Sukkah, he says the following. He says, This has come to me, my attention. My heart is burning. Because I see, I, I see Jews building castles like the castles of the nobles. They are building permanent places to dwell in this world, in Elam Hazeh. And not only in Elam Hazeh, right? There's two aspects. There's Elam Hazeh, and there is there Tatuma. You're not doing it in the land of Israel. You're doing it in the middle of Europe. He says, my heart was burning about this. Even though Chazal say what? Maybe you're going to say, you know, you're a tzaddik. And there's a Chazal that says that the Bate Knesias are going to go to Eretz Yisrael, the Bate Tzadikim are going to go to Eretz Yisrael. So, okay, you're a big tzaddik, you're building a nice house in America or wherever it is in Europe. It'll come with you. So what's the problem? What's the big deal? Nevertheless, Says, you know what? That's not really the kavan of these people building the houses. Says, I know what's really going on. What's really going on is that they're building these homes in order to be able to give a nice inheritance to their children. As though it's going to be here forevermore. And you know what it really is? This is like Hesachadas, right? Hesachadas, we know that. It's a requirement when it comes to tefillin, right? You're not allowed to be Messiah Das. The Gemara says, we learn out Hesach Das from the tefillin from the tzitz. The Gemara says, 
just like by the sits, you're not allowed to be misyaktas, right? The Kayan Gadol has to keep his mind focused, so it's by tzvillin. That's why. That's why we have a halacha. That we pass on like this halacha, Shachanach brings down. Every once in a while, you're supposed to go like this on your tzvillin. Touch your tzvillin. You'll move them out to remind yourself you're wearing tzvillin. We do it, I think, by Pseach Sedecha, by Shema, but there's an, there's an halacha that you do it all the time. So always remind yourself that you have tzvillin. So you're not supposed to make das from what you're doing. In case it's filling, it's very, very holy objects that you have, you're wearing. You have to keep your thoughts about them revolving around them. So he's saying that the people who are building these homes in Europe, the diaspora, presumably he would say America too, are doing it and they're being Mesiach Das. They're forgetting about the ultimate redemption. He says, therefore, Al-Kain Bini, he says to his children, Therefore, my children, right? Because remember, this is an ethical will. And this is his, his uh, command to them. If God is giving you tremendous wealth, build a house as you are need, as you are required to have in order to satisfy whatever the needs are that you have. But not more than that. Don't build these big towers and big walls and fancy things like castles. Don't do that kind of thing. Right? You should have a place that's honorable in relation to your stature. You should have rooms. We should be able to meditate, meditation rooms, so you can be able to focus on learning Torah and doing tshuva. Tzuru, go check out Matziva Yenidav ben Rechav Levanam. Go see what Yenidav ben Rechav commanded to his family. Bayes leitivnu ki ba'olim teshev. The Pasuk in Yirmiyah tells us that Yenidav ben Rechav, Chazal say, is a, you know, is a uh, descendant of Yisrael. And Yenidav ben Rechav, who is a descendant of Yisrael, told his children that you have to abstain from wine, you can't live in a house, you have to be very spiritual. You have to live in tents. And the Pasuk there by Yemir brings up Yenidav ben Rechav. Why? The Pasuk, the Chazal explained, the Pasuk tells us that the Jewish people, as it were, are looking bad next to the descendants of Yenidav ben Rechav. Because Yenidav ben Rechav's descendants are living in tents. They're freezing. Right? Yenidav ben Rechav's descendants, they didn't have such a heaters. Right? They are keeping to their ancestors' command, whether it's right or wrong. They're keeping to their ancestors' command. But you, the Jewish people, HaKadosh Baruch commanded you to do all the mitzvahs, and now you're not keeping. So Yermio uses Yenidah ben Recha as a mechaev, that the Jewish people are doing something wrong. The Jewish people are not adhering to what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted you to do. But Yenidah ben Recha's descendants, this guy, right? He, he, he did, they said they're not Jewish. And they're keeping to their forefathers' descendants, even though it's not a fun life. They're living a very ascetic lifestyle. He says, look, I get it. It's not shayach these days to live in tents. Fine. But, rock, this is what I'm telling you to do. Don't do these kinds of homes that are really not necessary. <clears throat> However, to build a house, but to have rooms where you'll be able to be misplaced, like, oh, that's fine. That's how the Shlah leaves it. I want to bring you up a chuba from Chassam Sefer. Chassam Sefer, <clears throat> you know the Chassam Sefer, right? We talked about him, right? He's an Arbalander. I'm an Arbalander. I always am going to bring up Chassam Sefer Chubas because I always feel this is uh, the closest I'm going to get to my family's uh, um, approach. Given that we were, you know, from that from that area and and following that uh, modality in life for you know hundreds of years, so some sort of says like this: somebody asked them a question that they they make when you build a house, you make a, finish a renovating a house, you make Hanukkah sabayas. So they wanted to shake chickens, you know, Hanukkah sabayas. Why they want to shake chickens? So. So the rabbi who asked him the question, he doesn't like it. He says, Darkia Mori, you know the Rashba. 
by the great Rashbah tells us that he doesn't like it either. He doesn't like this kind of a thing. He thinks it's dark here, Mary. Some service says, look, he's not going to tell you it's totally not right. He's not going to say 100% to throw it out, but he doesn't like it either. He says, look, maybe it's like Kaparis. Like you know, some people, they don't do Kaparis. I'm one of those people, I do Kaparis, but I won't use a chicken. Because to me, that Shiva of the Rajput bugs me, right? But many people, they do Kaparis and they think it's fine. I'm not getting into the whole Tzarbala Chaim aspect of Kaparis. That's a different issue. How they keep the chickens before they do the Kaparis is an entirely separate topic. But it is not unrelated. That's a different issue. That will be a tangent too much. So, so... The, the Chassam Sefer says, look, I'm not telling you you should do this. He says very clearly. He says, A person shouldn't be worried about these kinds of things. All these kinds of like, extraneous things from Chassidi Ashkenaz, no one's... Like, I really wouldn't worry about doing this kind of thing. You don't have to worry about doing cars before you get into the house. You're going to be checking chicken. Like, I don't think it's necessary. That's how he opens up his chuva. Then he continues. But now if we find people who say checking chickens, you'll know why. If somebody finishes a house and they see them checking a chicken or doing some sort of weird ceremony, you'll know. Yeah. Anyhow, so the chasam sofer continues. And he says, Vulai. He says, maybe. He says, but I, you know, he says, I, I, he like is going off right on this tangent. I, I, I've said to you always that this is a very big difference between a Hasidisha or Eibelander kind of an approach to writing chuvas versus a Lithuanian literature approach to writing a chuva, right? If you read a chuva from Moshe, right, you'll find it to be very, very different than reading a chuva from the Safarov. I'm not saying in terms of right or wrong. I'm just saying in terms of the style. Right? The style of Ramesh is going to be, what's the question? What's the answer? It's going to be you know, very linear. You're going to be able to follow it along. With the Chassam with, Sefer, with others from the Hungarian, Czechoslovakian, kind of, you'll get a stream of consciousness. It'll be this, it'll be that. It'll be, all, it'll be very fascinating. You probably could take popcorn and just sit there and read Jewish because they're very, very, they're almost entertaining, right? Because you're going to go through so many different sugyas along the way. That is not where we just started. So now he goes off after being asked a specific question to talk about what his issues are with the people building houses in Hungary. Remember, the Sam Sefer is a, the chief rabbi, not of Hungary, he's the chief rabbi of Presburg, which is the capital in those days, uh, and still these days, although it's called Bratislava, it's the capital of Slovakia, which is next to Hungary. So it's sort of smished in Czechoslovakia and Hungary. But it's a no, sort of a similar ethos. So he says, People are building houses of stone. They don't really need it. They're trying to make themselves really expansive homes in Kutzlars. And they're also forgetting about the redemption. Right? Remember that word. You just saw that? Where? A similar idea? And the Shla, what are the Shla? He was also a rabbi in Czechoslovakia, right? Prague is the capital of Czechia, which used to be known as Czechoslovakia. Now it's Czechia, Czech Republic. So again, all the same area, meaning there were issues about things like this. This is not a new thing. It's 500 years ago by the Shla, 300 years ago, 200 years ago by the, 250 years ago by the Chassam Seifer, etc. So he says people don't need it. So the language in the Shla was they're having Hesachadas from the Gula. The the Chassam service language is that they're having years from the gula. They're they're just losing hope that there's going to be a gula. So You know, actually, that building that house is a sakana. There's no mitzvah to protect it. What's the problem? Because they're being misyayish from the gula. They're forgetting about what the real point is that we're supposed to go back. It's not the point here to be in America. It's not the point to be in in Chutzlart. So therefore, somebody who's marked died to live in this magam shalei hayasham bayis kedela hayisif yeshivas kuslerts the ideas are fucking. He says somebody's going to go build a house in a in virgin territory that's never been touched before, just to make yourself a grand spanking uh, mansion. That's entirely inappropriate, and no mitzvah to protect such a situation. And then he continues, and he says ladaiti. Nevertheless, 
more than Yirmiya said. Yirmiya said, you remember the Pasuk? We, 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 we mentioned this Pasuk before. Yirmiya, when the Jews are going to go to the Gulf's Buffalo, he said, right? Plant gardens. Get married. Live a normal life in Chutzlaret. So, how do you, this is a, seems like a dialectic, no? You want to hand, you shouldn't do it, one hand you shouldn't, or what's the answer? Some servers saying, like the Shla, the same idea, which is, what you need, you do. You have to live a normal life. What you need, you do. But there's a difference, and every person is going to be different. Every person needs to know themselves about where it's going to be. Like, okay, now you're tipping over the line. Now you're not doing what you need to do. Now all of a sudden it's becoming Hesachadas from the Gula. Now all of a sudden it's becoming Yish from the Gula. Now all of a sudden it's becoming to be Mispharalai, what a big Kanagar I am. I'm such a gracious act, right? So then he finishes the Shuba. So he says, he says, We know when the ghost is going to end. Every day, Mashiach is going to come. This is now. Says it doesn't make sense not to do anything. You have to do something. But not to build stuff that you don't need, just for the ability to show up. Right? We have needs. We have big needs. And the goal is very long. You're not going to be too mocked when people do. You should use your house that you're going to build. You should use it for Torah and Tzvila. Zman ma for some time. So again, he ends up saying that if you're doing something and you're and you're at least using the house to learn, you're using the house to daven, using the house for things like that. Okay, no, it's a it's a way to to have it um, um, work. I thought I'll say, share with you one other tshuva. Um, this not, doesn't appear in the Shuvah, it appears in the Sefer. So you know the Sefer, the, we'll talk about the Haruitzes today, right? All the Har- many of the Haruitzes, not all, many of the Haruitzes are Levian, like the word Siegel, right? Siegel is an easy one to understand, right? Because Siegel is what? Skan Levia, right? Like Katz is Kayan Sedek. So a lot of the Haruitzes are also Levian. So the Pinchas Alevi Haruitz was the Hafla. Also, he wrote two very famous form on, on, on shots, right? The Hafla and the Makna. Um, he's from the later Achorinim. He died in the early 1800s. He was the last rabbi in Frankfurt. Naflah also wrote as a very nice commentary on Flemish called the Panam Yafis. You want to hear an interesting thing? The Haflah, who's the rabbi in Frankfurt, the Yek, is before John Paul Hirsch opens his community in Frankfurt, which is m- many years later. So the Haflah is Hasidish. He's a follower of Dave Bear of Mezrich, right? The main student of the Baal Shem Tov, or the heir of the Baal Shem Tov. So they had a Siddish Rebbe in the middle of uh, Frankfurt. Just to give you the rest of this uh, Shalshelas, in Frankfurt at that time was Ramnasen Adler. Ramnasen Adler was very partial to what? Kabbalah and to everything Sephardic. Ramnasen Adler Davin with a Sephardi Avar, he davened with a Sephardic diction. He didn't use Ashkenaz. And everything was done up the Sakhari. The chief rabbi of Frankfurt is who? The the uh, the Hafla, uh, Levi Harwood. He is very against any Shino, and he's Hasidish. And the Hasidim davened the Sakhari, but he won't allow the Sakhari in the shul. Why? Because even though he's a Hasidish himself, the shul has to go according to the custom that the shul is. Frankfurt is Mekudosh on Nusach. Frankfurt is around a thousand years. It davened Nusach Ashkenaz. So I will do two quick tangents. So Ravad Yosef, right? it's very clear in Shuvas that there's no difference between the Spartak and Ashkenaz Havar in the sense of you want to go to shul, you're a Spartak, or you're Ashkenaz, you want to go to no problem. Of course, the Sephardic Havara is more correct. And I don't think there are too many Ashkenaz rabbis that would disagree with that anymore today. They, they, they lived in the lands where the Masorah came from, but far longer than the Ashkenaz Jews. And so therefore, I don't think it's really uh, in doubt. However, the one time it's coming up, now, not, not, so, not so soon this year, right? Because we're in uh, Adar Allah. 
but it wouldn't come up in a normal situation, right? It would be literally next week, right? Normally it would be Parzachar. He says he does say Parzachar is not. Parzachar, a Spartac Jew, has to be Makbid to hear a Spartac Kriya because otherwise, because they're not going to be Yitzhak. Why? Because over there it's Midaraisa, and over there he has to hear it the right way. Um, whereas he says in one of his. Uh, one of his speeches he gave is he's going to go, Zeicher, Zeicher. he's like, you know, all the different versions of Ash. Yeah. So one other quick tangent on uh, on Havara. I had a, I had a, you know, it was in Miami, mentioned this week, this past weekend. So one of the days I was there, I dive in Mincha in the shul. The shul is a Chabad uh, uh, shul in, in Surfside. And they have their, you know, like, huge minions. It happens to be, I don't know if they would, not that many indoors because of COVID or whatever, they were dominating out this with a, a minion. I got into this minion. There's a boy like my age, maybe you know, a few years younger than me. And um, he gets up there and he starts davening the way I used to, the way I grew up, you know, you know, and and totally no sakashkanas. And I know the only place in the world that they do sound like Hasidim when they dominate is my world. It's Iberlan. So I couldn't believe it. Bean. I'm like, no such thing. Nobody left like that. I changed my havar because I want to sound normal. Everybody's going, look at me, you're a weirdo. So I changed my havar. So I said to him after diving, are you He says, yeah. I'm like, I, still, I didn't know they still grow them like this. He's like, oh, there's a, there's a few left. There's a few left. Yeah. Anyhow, so the Hafla writes, so this is a background to the Hafla. The Hafla is writing in Frankfurt the late 1700s, early 1800s. He says like this. He's talking about the Gemara and Ksubis that we spent some time on. Right, that he wants to go to make Aliyah and she doesn't want to go, or vice versa, or the Evet, etc. He says that he says you want to understand the Taich of Einus, right? He's an Achron, right? And he's one of the last big Achronish farmers in Germany, not the last one. Right? What is the difference between Achron and Arishan? He spends time like on dialectic. So, what does he say, the Hafla? He says, You want to train a Tainus Einus, right? When somebody says that they're an Onus, they're not responsible to do something. How does the Tain of Einus work? Right, let's say you want to make Aliyah. We said over there, the Tosh of Benuchayim Khan says that if somebody wants to make, uh, somebody uh, would want to make Aliyah normally in, in, in a situation where there's no Sakhanas Drachim, no danger on the roads. Okay, you make Aliyah. But nowadays, it doesn't apply anymore to make Aliyah. Why? Because it's very dangerous. So you're an Ainus, right? So how does Ainus work, says Dafla? Says Dafla, Ainus only works that you don't have to make Aliyah. If it's a situation where you want to make Aliyah. In other words, if you're saying every day, I really want to make Aliyah, but what can I do? I, I can only go on foot. Let's say there's no place. And I have to traverse through Lebanon, through Syria, and I'm going to go there. They're going to know I'm a Jew. They're going to be Itbach Aliyah. I'm now? They're going to kill me. That's called you're an Inus. But if you're never thinking about making Aliyah, so you're not an Inus. Just because there's a halachic category of Inus that applies to something, it doesn't mean it applies to you. The only way it applies to you is if you really want to do something. You don't get the din of Inus just because it applies to somebody who's actually trying to do it and it didn't work. So it's a clever, it's a clever insight and very relevant because he says that's when it comes to Eretz Yisrael. Exactly, that's where he, he points this out. He says, It's only if you're being stopped from making Aliyah because of the Inus. But if you're not really interested in going, Ain't tainus einus. There's no kind of einus that you're gonna have. It also love Hashem is gonna say, no. Why don't you make Aliyah? Because the big state of Israel, very strong, a very powerful country. You have business to do. What? Why don't you make Aliyah? He said, I'm an einus. In what way were you an einus exactly? You didn't try. You didn't think about it. You were busy being Messiah das, being Messiah from the Gula. And now you want to be an Inus? No, you don't get the Din Inus. You only get the Din Inus if you try to do something and you couldn't do it because of an Inus. That's when you get the Din Inus. Same thing. What do you mean? You mean the situation of leaving Eretz Israel, you mean? No, we're saying if somebody is in Eretz Israel, of course you don't have to make Aliyah in that situation. But somebody, we said there's three exceptions. I brought down the halacha. The Ramam says that there are three exceptions. A person living in Eretz is allowed to leave. Allowed to leave for Talmud Torah. Allowed to leave for Lisa Isha to get married. And allowed to leave for Parnassus. You can't make a, a living 
there's a big inflation, you're allowed to leave what's fine. Of course, and if you're allowed to leave, you don't have to make aliyah for the situation, right? Obviously, if it's a situation where you you, you think learning lake was the best, or Pasaic, or wherever it may be, of course, of course you don't have to make aliyah. Man. The same would be with Pranas, so the same would be with things. If you can only get married to you know girl in America, and you can only like look for shidduchim in America, that's the kind of girl you want. So, okay, obviously, you don't have to make aliyah in that time. The class should be okay once you um, once you don't have those issues anymore. Let's say you're ready, you know, learned in Lakewood. You already got married. You already have a Pranas. That's when the question becomes. And that's what the Hapla is telling them. Do you want to turn Pranasinus? You have to have a situation that you actually want them to do it. You can't be turning Pranasinus if you weren't actually thinking about making aliyah. Yeah. No, no, we're talking about, so just to be clear, we're talking about nowadays, it's very hard to argue in the sense of what the Pesach bin Chaim where there was Sakonis Right, There was two reasons to remember Pesach. One was the Sakonis Rakhim, the other one was the fact that we don't know the Halakas, right? We don't know the Halakas of, of uh, uh, which are, you know, the Mitzvah of Blaise Baratz, Meisr, Shemitah, all these things we don't know. Those are the two reasons. The first reason of Sakanas Rakhim is really it's a tiny panasinus. The situation is dangerous. Sakanas Tafashis. So therefore, since Sakanas Tafashis, I'm an artist, I don't have to do it. But he's saying, that's true. You don't have to do it. In his day, it was probably still dangerous, whatever. You're right. If you have a situation where it's difficult, let's say again, you don't have the ability to go on a plane. You only have the ability to go on foot, right? Right. There was two different ways to go into Israel in those days. One was by land and one was by sea. So on the sea, if you recall, we discussed those who said the one the, the sea is a very dangerous sea. Like the boats, they're not so trustworthy. The, there's waves. It's not so safe. So those are the two Sakana Surak, right? It was the Sakana Surak on the land, Sakana Surak on the on the sea. Today we have big uh, big ships. They're able to manage the Mediterranean Sea. It's not a big deal. And and on land, there is still a big deal. Right? On land, no one would say it's safe possibly to get there to show from any of the surrounding countries. It is literally at the risk of your life. So that would still be So fine. Let's say there's a situation sort. Air travel, you know, the, the 5G. The 5G comes out and all the airplanes stop flying. It's dangerous. It's mamish. We cannot fly because of 5G. Okay? Then there's no planes in the world. No one's flying. You can't get there to throw except by land or by sea. Let's say they stop the boats also 5G. Fine. Then literally it's the only time is by land. So then you literally have a situation where you're right back to Texas said. The situation where it's like on a strachim. At that point, you don't have to make aliyah. Hundred percent. So, but so who's going to be able to claim that loss of love? You who never thought of making aliyah, or you who was actively attempting to make aliyah but decided, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to. You know, you're making your provisions. Your car is loaded. You start driving, and your wife says, "We're going to hit Lebanon. Is Lebanon safe? Oh my God, yeah. No, the new set. Lebanon's very not safe. Oh, Ines, that, that's the difference." Agreed. They think you have to try. Agreed. You have that's to try. You have to. You have to. I'll give you an example, Messiah. There's a beautiful story about. I think Chavetz Chaim. They said the Chavetz Chaim had a suit. Oh, and yeah. suitcase. Right. And suitcase. Yeah, suitcase. Right. Right. Whoa. That's mean. Every single day. Maybe, maybe he's coming. He didn't come yesterday. Maybe tomorrow. That's what it means. Not being Messiah Das from the Gula. Not not wanting to always go back. Yearning. That's when you can be. In those days, remember, right? It's the Zionism, it's the Zionists that managed to bifurcate. Until until the first Aliyah, until the Chayvet We're going to get to all this. We haven't gotten that. Until the Chayvet Really, until the late 1800s, no one ever thought that there would be a time when the Jewish people would have power in the land of Israel without the Gula. How could such a thing be possible? It was never imagined. Right, they had no access. The, the, there was no, the Jews were always down. To this, to this very day, this is what in, in, enrages the 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 Satmar side of the debate is because of the fact that we never found such a thing. I'm going to show sources that we that there were a few sources here and there that did find such a thing, but it's not typical. The normal understanding of the majority of centuries was that the Jewish people will be able to go back to the land of Israel when there's a gula. We are going to spend time showing how that wasn't the total understanding. There were those who did say differently, 
but it was a minority. It certainly was not the regnant popular approach. So fair enough. Yeah, that's fair enough. But again, as we pointed out, we spent we spent time. I don't want to go through all of that now, but we did spend time talking about over the centuries how many people made Aliyah. That's a great segue for what I wanted to actually get to today. Right? We did discuss. We discussed. Right? We did, just to remind everybody. Right? We discussed in the Tzitzur Beinu Chaim Kain. Right? They says you can't. You're not going to go up to Kanas Tzurachim. Right? And because of what? Because of the fact that you can't be kind of mitzvah Louis Clark. We said that this reason was already rejected by the Balei Tzitzur themselves. Not in a thesis, but in practice, right? Because we know that the Rash Bishants, right, and his, his brother of Yosef, right, they led an aliyah of 300 of the Balei and their families made aliyah to Eretz Israel. So obviously they weren't afraid about not being able to become the Mrs. Blue's Bars. They weren't worried about what? Not being able to uh, deal with the Tzagonis Tzorachim, right? Ruda Levi, very famously, made aliyah. The Ramban, Rabbi Moshe Menachem, made Aliyah. Rabbi Moshe Menachem, the Ramban, made Aliyah when? After he won his big debate in front of King James of Aragon, and they were very upset at him because he was so good. Never had he, remember what the king said, never had he heard a cause so wrong justified so well, but it was so dangerous for the Ramban to remain that he had to go. I heard a cute story this weekend. I don't know if it's true. I'll tell you, it's a cute story. So, the, uh, there's a, two streets everyone knows in Rechavia. Maybe you've been there in the street called uh, the Ramban Street, called Ramban. Next to it is what? Called Ben Maimon. So, why did Ben Maimon? Why didn't he get the Rambam? Well, it's not right. It should be Rechov Rambam and Rechov Ramban. What's the problem? So you say, okay, it's confusing. Ramban, Ramban, like, uh, which one is it? Like, the taxes are going to get all confused. That's, that's, Probably what happened. That's probably the true story. They had to switch one. They probably took out a Jewish They probably took a coin. Like I am a thousand percent with you. I have never been able to figure out Queens until I had Google Maps. Because I grew up, my my wife's aunt lived in Queens. We were always going to Queens for a Thanksgiving dinner. And it was always a parsha. I would get lost every time. <laughs> we would come an hour late. Never figure it out. It was always Avenue Mish Street. Avenue Road, Street, Court. It was uh, Terrace. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Unbelievable Queens. Yeah. But Google Maps made it going through Queens much easier. My son now is learning in Queens Shiva. So I, I go to Queens now much more often. So I almost know it without needing the Google Maps, but still, I always keep the Google Maps around. Um, what were we just saying before I forget? That might ah. So this is the apocryphal reason. I thought it would be a flip of the coin, maybe, but no. They say that what happened was that they, they decided, you know, they're going to take, they're going to take the Rambam and and uh, make him Ben Maimon. Why? Because he made a Yerida. You recall when the Rambam ran away from Spain, right? There was uh, the Almohad that came around, and they were shechting Mamash. You didn't didn't convert to Islam. You're done. They ran, and he went to North Africa. It's unbelievable. I mean, like, you look at the you look at the Rambam at the end of the Persian Mishnah. The Rambam writes it's not over there. He writes, uh, you know, you're gonna find a mistake here. Like, you know, don't hold it against me. Like, I wrote this running away in caravans in the desert, on ships in the sea, you know, for my life. Don't hold it against me if I made a mistake. Let me know. Like, don't don't hold it against me. This is the end of his commentary to Pirish Hamish. I'm not talking about the other books he wrote. He wrote books on logic, philosophy, medicine. But the books he wrote on Torah, the main books are the commentary on the Mishnah. It's his first work. And the, 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 the most famous book work of all, which is Mishnah Torah, which he wrote in the middle of his life. He finished it when he was 40. He wrote that for 10 years. And then the last book, which is Morn of Kim, which he wrote at the very end of his life, when he was already a man in the 60s, late 60s. And that was that was the last one. Um, the the ah so the so the Rambam got there to Israel, and he got there to Israel, and he spent some time there, but he couldn't stay. He left. 
and he went to Egypt. We know he lived in what's today called today Cairo. In those days, he lived in a suburb of Cairo called Bostat, and that's and that's where he uh, spent the rest of his life. Ramban, right? He made Aliyah. Right? He he left Spain, and he and he traveled there to Israel. So the, the Zionist uh, leaders who were making decisions on the streets. The Rambam is Ben Maimon. Ramban gets the phone. Okay, maybe I, I don't know if it's true. In any event, um, you could dash even the street signs. You know, right? <laughs> Every little thing has what to say. Yeah. All right. So I wanted to talk today about some people made Aliyah because we were talking. Um, we were talking a bunch of time on, on the Shal Shuas. We have to get back to talking about the approaches of Aral and Shachar Hirsch. Satmarov and some others. We didn't get to that yet. Right. So I wanted to discuss some people who, who made Aliyah because it's not a it's not a thing, as I say, it's a good segue. It's not a thing that we just found by the Ramban and Ruda Levi and the Aliyah and then later on by the Shla and and the Talmudim of the Gra and the Talmudim of the Baal Shem Tov. It's not just that. It's already back in the Tanam and Amaram, you find people moving back and forth from Bavel to Israel. It's not a, it's not a, um, it's not a thing that only starts in the times of the 1800s. It's not a time something was by the Shainim. It's already back a long time ago. These issues were discussed and debated. We said, if you recall, that Rabbi Huda said that somebody who is the Eilam Mibavol Eretz Yisrael is ever ba'asei. Why was that? The Gemara told us in Subis that Bavela Yavoyu Hashem Yuajim Parkiyatam. Right. And we talked about how the Rambam brings all of this down the halacha that a person can force his wife to go to make aliyah, and his wife can force her husband to make aliyah, and the Evan can force a master to make aliyah, and how that goes against the uh, mitzvah in the Torah, right? The Pasuk tells us, It's a mitzvah that say to keep your Evan Kanani. And yet, if Evan kind of wants to make aliyah, he can force the master, and which is going to what? Enable him to go free, or which is going to violate a mitzvah that say in the Torah. So obviously, the Rambam must hold. That there is a mitzvah to live in the land of Israel, even though he doesn't count it as a mitzvah. We said the Ramban says it's an absolute mitzvah. Why doesn't the Ramban count it? We gave a number of reasons, either because he views it as a mitzvah which is encompassing all of Kola Torah Kula, and he doesn't count mitzvahs like that. Like he doesn't count the mitzvah to you, he doesn't count the mitzvah to he doesn't count those as mitzvahs because those are just generals. Of course, the place you do the mitzvahs in the Torah is in the land of Israel, or it could be he doesn't count the mitzvah of, of, of making Aliyah to the land of Israel because. He counted as part of the coming out of the seven nations. The genocide of what they have to do against the seven nations. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go kill them and like walk away? No. You're supposed to kill them and obviously live there. So he doesn't have to count as a separate mitzvah. So he gave a number of different answers for the Ramam's position. But at the end of the day, the Ram doesn't count it as a mitzvah. But some say that he doesn't hold it as a mitzvah. So we talked about the Megillah Sester who says that the Ramam's position on the living in the land of Israel is that it's not a mitzvah. Why? Because the Shoshua came in and took it away. But we said that most Dakran don't agree with this. With the with Megillah Besson, they don't they say it's not true to say that the Ramam believes that this suspended it. We explained why. What we're, we're focusing right now was on the end of the Rambam uh, uh, bringing down of these various halakos. He says this. He brings down the word of Rabbi Huda. He says, remember, Huda said three statements. One, statement number one was what? Statement number two was. This is the name of Shmuel. Right? Somebody goes from Bavel. I'm sorry, the exact line was That was the second statement. And the third statement of Rabbi Huda was, was that that um, that somebody who's, who's living in Bavel, it's like he's living in Latin. Those are the three statements of Rabbi Huda. And the Rambam brings down this statement of Kishem Sha'asur Lotte. May Aritisrola Khutzlar at Kaka Sulate Mbavala Sha'arata Shinemar. Even though over here in this statement of Rabbi Mashmua doesn't bring a Pasik, he brings down the Pasik from the first statement of Rabbi Huda. That what was the Pasik that he brought? So the Rambam brings down this statement with the Pasik of Bavalia Bayus. Is he talking about Including in this Isser of leaving Eretz Yisrael to go to Chutzlar, and then also to leave Chutzlar to go to Eretz Yisrael, is he including in it going to? I'm sorry, 
when it says the answer to go from Bavel to Shara Rosh, it says include Eretz Yisrael now. We said the Ketam Mishnah says it does include Eretz Yisrael. We pointed out the Marsha and others say it does not include Eretz Yisrael. And I told you that the Evan Ozel, right? The Evan Ozel who did make Aliyah, the Evan Ozel, Baron Cutler's father-in-law, moved from Klet to Israel. He was very, very good friends with the Raya, with Rabbi Avraham very, very close to him, and a big defender of him within the Haredi non Zionist world, even though he was from that world. He was from the Gain Rosh Yeshivas in Europe. He made Aliyah to Eretz Yisrael, like I say, very close to Rakhuk at, at, at that time. Um, there is a Zalman Melter in his paper on the Raman called Evan Ozel. Over there, he says that he thinks that, of course, the Ketzer Mishnah cannot be right. The Rambam must be holding that when it's saying, it means other lands, but not Eretz Yisrael. It's not going to be us to go from Bavel to Eretz Yisrael. It's just us to go from Bavel to go to Europe. Why? Because Bavel at that time is like Lakewood. You know what I mean? It has all the yeshivas. Where are you going? You're going to go to a place that has no Torah? You have to stay in Bavel. And the Evan also said that the Rambam must have understood that the Rabbi Yehuda was taking his Rebbe's position. The Rebbe's position was, it's also to leave Eretz Yisrael and it's also to leave Bavel. These are the places of Torah. And he expanded it to say, you can't even go from Bavel to Eretz Yisrael. There's a Pasuk Bavel Yavayu. So the Rambam felt that Bavel Yavayu was a true Pasuk. You have to stay in Bavel. You can't go from Bavel to other lands. But not Hashem Eretz Yisrael itself. So the Rambam therefore accepts the statement that Rabbi Huda said the name of Shmuel, but doesn't accept the statement that Rabbi Huda expanded it, which is to include even the land of Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, that's where the Rambam writes what he writes, which is the, the line, Shah Rasi does not include Eretz Yisrael, unlike the Ketzim. And I said to you, it seems to me 100% that Evan Oslo's right, and I can prove it with a Raya, even though the Evan Oslo doesn't bring it. What's the Raya? The Raya is that the Rambam feels, and he brought down, that a man can force a woman to make aliyah. A woman can force a man to make aliyah. An Evid, Kenani, not just an Evid, an Evid, Kenani, a non-Jew, right? He has just a woman, like a woman, is able to force the master to make aliyah. Even though, that's good. and if the master doesn't make aliyah, he goes free, even though it's a in the Torah. So if this was true, that the Raman felt that it's Aser to leave Bavel to go to Eretz Yisrael, then he should have said, a caveat, by the way, the only time that the Evid is allowed to force or the man or the wife is a lot of force. It's the only situation when you're going from bubble to any other country except for the land of Israel. But if you could force the, the master, or the husband, the wife, whatever, to go to any land, including Eretz Yisrael, then that's a, that's a problem. Because if Shah Ratzis includes Eretz Yisrael, then he should have caveated that and said a man or a woman or a servant can always force, except when it's coming to leave Bavo. Except when it's coming to leave Bavo. Bavo, you're not allowed to leave even to go to Eretz Yisrael. So you should have made a caveat that a master can only for, uh, a servant can only force the master to make Aliyah only if you're going um, uh, from a regular country like America, you want to go to Eretz Yisrael. But go from Bavel to Eretz Yisrael, that the servant cannot force the master, that the husband can't force the wife, that the wife can't force the husband. He doesn't make such a caveat. He doesn't make any caveat at all. It's 100% of anyone who wants to make Aliyah to Eretz Yisrael is able to force their spouse or their master. No caveats, even if you're living in Bavel. If that's true, then that means he does not hold that Shah Ratzes includes Eretz Yisrael. So the same way it's us to leave Eretz Yisrael to go to Chutzlat, so too it's us to leave Bavel to go to Shah Ratzes means the rest of the world, but not Eretz Yisrael. You're always allowed to leave Bavel to go to the land of Israel. We still didn't get this to what I wanted to say. So, um, let's just run through it quickly. Yeah, we have a few minutes left. We even do that many things. All right. So, so the, I want to bring out a few examples from various different times I'm wrong that made Aliyah. So here's the Gemara in Sugar. The Gemara says like this. When the Torah was initially forgotten from the Jewish people, Allah Ezra Ezra came up from Babylon and he read he refashioned the Torah, he, he reformulated, he gave the Jewish people another shot. Because of Neshtaka, it was again forgotten. So Hillel Habavli the Hillel Habavli, the famous Hillel, Hillel Azokin is also known as Hillel Habavli. He came back up, we know the famous Mar Mitzvahim tells us that when Hillel came up, the Bnei B'Serah, they, they had a question, what should you do on a, on a situation where, where, um, 
with Pesach, right? Where where Pesach um, is going to be a Shabbos. What do you do? You have to shek the Karm Pesach. How do you how do you shek the Karm Pesach? How do you put the animals, the knives, carrying these things? Shabbos. So you're allowed to be Mechal Shabbos shek the Karm Pesach. That that you. So so over there, so what does the Gemara say? So so um, so Hill answers the question that you're allowed to do it. But how are they going to get the knives there? So Hill doesn't remember. The Gemara there says Hill didn't remember, and uh, but he said very famous line that um, even if the Bnei Yisrael today aren't Nevi'im, the name Nevi'im, they're the sons of prophets. We don't have to worry about it, even though I don't know what the hell is, I don't remember. They'll still be able, they'll show us. And in fact, the whole procession of Jews comes in with the knives and the animals' horns in the in the wool, and that's how they they, they brought the uh, the knives to the the So Hillel came, again, to re- to rebuild Tyre after it was again forgotten. Remember, the land of Israel is the crossroads of civilization. Right? It is between three continents and has always been the fighting grounds of all the major empires. In times of Avram Avinu, in times of the first temple, was, and in times of the second temple, it was always stuck between the, the empires of Egypt, the empire, whatever various empire was reigning in the land of Iraq, whether it was Babylon, whether it was Syria, etc. Eventually, the Persian Empire, the Sassan, etc., came in. So there's always been great powers that are fighting in Israel as the crossroads where all they what they need. So it makes sense why there's various different troubles that come along and why terror is forgotten and why they have to keep it. living in southern Iraq where the Jews lived is a relatively safer area. Certainly Jews are much more comfortable and they were able to learn Bishalva in a way that they couldn't do in Eric Israel and therefore they would send up their best and brightest to help repopulate, to help rebuild after a destruction. So Ezra came Right after the destruction of the first temple, Hillel comes after whatever random destruction there were at that time in the second Mikdash, and then later on, the Gemara says, again it was forgotten, again Rabbi and his children came up and were Miyasa there again. So we see here examples of Aliyah. Of course, in the case of Ezra, he has prophetic uh, inspiration to do it, but in the case of Hillel, there is not. In the case of Rabbi and his sons, there is not. These are examples of people from Bubble making Aliyah to help ensure that the Torah is rebuilt in the land of Israel. The Gemara and Brachas mentioned the Gemara and Ksuba tells us the story about Rabbi Zera. Rabbi Zera, you know, wanted to make Aliyah, but he was afraid because this Rabbi Rabbi Huda we've discussed says you're not allowed to make Aliyah. Make Aliyah, you're everywhere not safe. So there's the similar Gemara and Brachas. The Gemara and Brachas brings up Rabbi Abba. Rabbi Abba wanted to make Aliyah, and again he was afraid. Why is he afraid? This is Rabbi Rabbi Huda doesn't allow people to make Aliyah. Rabbi Huda had a clear position on the matter. So again, Rabbi Abba, like Rabbi Zera, tries to, you know, uh, um, hide his way and get out. And he says he's going to go to hear one more shear. He doesn't want to go inside the shear. So he stays outside to hear the shear. And he stays outside to hear the shear. And it's a very odd Gemara. The Gemara tells us the halacha that somebody has to pass gas, how he should daven, what situation. That's the last halacha that he hears before he goes to Bavel. And the Gemara says that he says, oh, it was Kedai if I just heard this. That was enough. I think the way the Gemara is pointing it out is that, and again, I say this uh, in a careful way. I'm not sure that you can't say this. I don't know whether or not the story literally happened or didn't happen in this way. That was the halal. But I think what the Gemara is saying is, let's say it did literally happen. Fine. But even if it didn't, there was terror to be learned in Bavo, even about the most inane, mundane, like, you know, areas of life that you would not normally be learning Torah. No, Torah is even over there. Right? That's what we, we discussed on Shabbos, the Pasuk and the Torah, this is Pasuk, 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 you're not at the lab and the Torah, you're not allowed to take out the bottom out of the heart. No other Kaylee is like that. Why? Right? says, you're never allowed to take the bottom out of the heart. Even lost love, the basic love is a thousand years. You can't take out the bottom. Why not? Because the Torah goes everywhere. One of the reasons that we gave the Torah can always go everywhere. The bottom are meant for traveling. That the the poles and the and the are meant for traveling. The art is not traveling. It's in the basic for four hundred years. It's not going anywhere. Why do you have to have the bottom in? No, because it's always Torah is always traveling. Every area of life, it always is applicable.
I think maybe that's why he more uses that as the mice, or maybe literally that's what he heard, in which case it could still teach us the same point. All right. The more Exubus tells us that Abaya says the following. Abaya says, I'm Abaya, one of us is greater than two scholars from Bava. I'm sorry, one of us in Bava is greater than two of their scholars in Eretz Yisrael. Um, but, uh, right? the, 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 one of their scholars in Eretz Yisrael is greater than two of ours. And one of in other words, Abai is being Meshabeach, the Torah of the land of Israel, that one of their Tamim is greater than two of ours. And Rava continues, and Rava says, and one of our guys, when he goes to Eretz Yisrael, they become so great, they're like greater than two of ours. The Rabbi Yirmiya, Rabbi Yirmiya, the Chihave Hacha, and Rabbi Yirmiya was here. Loy Havi Yotam Mai Kamei Rabbanon. Rabbi Yirmiya was he didn't know he didn't know share. He didn't get the share. But when he made the Eretz Yisrael, he saw Glasim Parlam Bavloi Tipshoi. Right? He said you Babylon. Where Rabbi Yirmiya made was even here. Once he went there. Once he went there, Rabbi Yirmiya made Aliyah. When he was in Bavloi, didn't understand share. But when he made Aliyah, he called the Babylonians Bavloi Tipshoi. You're a bunch of you know fools, right? So that was Rabbi Yirmiya. Another example, somebody made Aliyah. The Gemara says that um, that uh, Rabbiya, we mentioned Rabbiya Bar Abba, um, uh, in uh, Shabbos, mentioned Rabbiya Bar Abba made, made Aliyah. So uh, again, a number of different stories. I see we're getting short on time. Um, they also, also came back. Right. Huh? He made yeah, Aliyah and then traveled to learn. People, people made Aliyah, people traveled to learn. People, as I said, as I opened, I said that there were um, much more traveling back and forth than we would imagine. They didn't have cars, they didn't have airplanes, but they still managed to go back and forth. Was it far geographic? Huh? How far was it geographic? It's the same geographic today. Right. It hasn't changed, but how they travel, I think I, I think they didn't go through the Arabian desert. It's much more difficult. They would go all the way up from Avina went, which is they would go up right along the Tigris Euphrates, which is you know, of the Fertile Crescent, which it had, you know, you could live and, and, and not die Inhabited. along the way. Right. And then you come down from Syria, you come down from what southern Turkey in those days. It made it much longer that way. It's a longer it's trip, still... but it's, it's, you know, the Hasidic joke will end with this. Um, There's a lot more on this topic the, that maybe we have to do next week. So the, I think it was the, uh, I think it was a Blaib Sassifer, one of the Hasidic Rebbe's. I believe it was him. Blaib Sassifer was um, was uh, once walking and he, he got to a forest. He was trying to figure out how to get around. He had to get to a town. And he sees a shepherd boy. And he says to him, Yingalwa, or I don't know if it's a Jew or not, how do I get to uh, this place? He says there's a long but short way and there's a short but long way. So he says, uh, give me the short way. He says that this is the short way. He tells him to go. He gets to the town, but there's a big wall. He can't figure out how to get around this wall. There's no way to go. So he comes back to the outside the forest. He says to the boy, I, I don't understand. I, I, I went there. I see the town. I can't get there. Like I told you, it's a short but long way. So okay. Give me the long but short way. Right? So he tells him, you can't go around here and a long roundabout. And, and that's the way you get into the town. Yeah. So. So at the end of the day, there were certainly people that went back and forth, you know, 100%. But there were many, many people that made Aliyah, many, many people that were Rashita about it. So in other words, take another two minutes, yeah? Say it outside. The Gemara Numa tells us that, that Rish Lakish did not like the Babylonians. It was very, very mockbit against them. Why? Gemara says that he held that they were wrong. He says, if you would have been mal and kechayma, remember, that's one of the shalashuas, right? They right? And the umay should not be mishtabah to b'nei Yisrael, yes, and That's one of the shalashuas is that you're not allowed to go up like a chayma. What's like a chayma? Rashi said, yachad biyad chazaka. To go up alone, um, not alone, united, was force. So Reish Lagish was angry at the Babylonians because you didn't come up kechayma. If you had gone up kechayma, and the second way Samikish would have been much stronger. It would have been the 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 the, 
the Jewish settlement, the rebirth of the, of the Jewish people in the land of Israel, the second bias would have been that much stronger and it would have lasted much more. Are you saying that before they went up to the second Mesopotamia? When they went oh. up for the second Mesopotamia, they went up like a joke. They didn't go up many people. Who went up? We mentioned this already before. The losers. Exactly right. The verse says, Asar Yuchsin, Mark Dushin tells Asar Yuchsin, who went up. You read Ezra and Nehemiah, they're screaming at the people, get rid of their foreign wives. Who is up? The people are intermarried. That's what it got. The, the, uh, the Levim, right? They lose their Meister, right? Because they refuse to make Aliyah. Right? Refuse to make Aliyah. So they get taken away. One of the, one of, one of the presents they're entitled to. The reality was, people went up, but the same people went up in the first uh, um, the first exodus that we had, right? We know the again. I'm not saying as the pshat matter, but as the, as the midrash matter. Plus, it tells vachamushim al bnei somerus mitzrayim. Who's the vachamushim? So we know the simple reading is vachamushim is the, they went up armed, but the midrashic reading is only a fifth went out. Why four fifths died in Egypt during Magus Cheshit? Who died? The people said it's much better living life in Egypt. I have a great business. I provide water. I provide shelter to all the Egyptians. They're having all these problems. I'm providing it. Jews are raking it in. Why am I making Aliyah? I have God right here in Egypt. It's beautiful. I don't have to make Aliyah. So anybody who didn't want to make Aliyah stayed. And who are those? The successful ones. The ones who left were the weak ones. The ones who couldn't figure out how to make it work. And so there are those that say it's going to be every situation of Gula. Who's going to go? The losers have nothing to lose. Right? Who came and who populated this country in America? People who came, indentured servants. People came were uh, thieves. People came with people who had the law after them. People had nothing to lose. If you are a big Kanaka and you're living in the middle of Europe or wherever in the big uh, fancy uh, castle, you're a, you're a duke, you're a, a duchess, why are you coming here? You come here if you have nothing to lose. Anyhow, so so we just said, what did we just say? We said that Rav Shlach was very angry. Rav tells him, no, you're wrong. So even if they would have come en masse, en masse, they would not have Created a big, a big, powerful situation. But I found the Medrash. The Medrash says differently than this Gemara. A little bit. This Gemara seems to suggest that Rabbi didn't, didn't hold it against the Babylonians. But in this Medrash, the Medrash brings out Rabbi and Amrish Lakish that both of them got very angry at the people from Babel that they didn't make Aliyah during the time of the second bias. We'll conclude maybe with one last story. And the last story I'll tell you is in relation to a very interesting aliyah that was done. And that very interesting aliyah was done with Rav Kahana. Rav Kahana went, it was a situation, the Gemara Bavakama tells us that somebody wanted to be mice or somebody to the authorities. We were going to tell on them about the fact that they were doing in, in, improper stuff. And what happened was, is that when he went to go, uh, uh, he told Rob that he's going to do a masira on this guy. Rob said, you can't do it. So the guy is like, oh, I'm going to do it. So Rav Kahana kills him. And Rav says, Kahana, you can't stay here anymore. You can't stay here anymore. Why not? Because it's very dangerous. The Greeks who are running this area, they're very mocked but on murder. You just killed somebody, you got to go. You got to go make Aliyah. So Rav Kahana makes Aliyah, and he makes a condition that he says, when you make Aliyah, he's making Aliyah for front for his life. He says, you're going to go to the Shia of Rabbi Yechanan? Keep your mouth shut. Seven years, don't open your mouth. Don't antagonize a beer. So if Gahana comes to Shear and and they warn the there's a big line that just came up from Bubble. Be careful. So Birchan is really preparing a shear. The next day is gonna be, you know, he's gonna make sure he's on, he's on. He doesn't want to get beaten up by this young lion from Bubble. So and the next day comes to the shear, he starts yapping and going on and on, giving the whole shear. And every time he says, Rabkana doesn't say nothing. Rabkana keeps his mouth shut. So they give Rabkana a fancy seat. They start big cushions. The most of the game, like seven cushions. Man, they give him a nice seat. They start pushing him back up the seats. And when I was by Rabkana, really sheer. It was like the same idea. Like you, you come in, you don't get a seat in the front. No, you got to be there for years. You got to, you know, earn your way to the top. You don't just get a seat. There's a seat guy by it. He knows who's holding and who's really in sheer, who's been there for years. You don't just go to the front. That's not the way it works. So over here as well. They knock the seat away, they knock the seat away, knock the seat away, knock the seat away. And they knock him off seven times the seat. So Kahana says, that the seven years I agreed to Rav, that I'm going to keep my mouth shut, was just accomplished by me being knocked down seven seats. 
And then he starts to knock up Rabbi Yechanan, but good. And the Mara says there, if Kahana had a face, he like he was a permanent half smirk. It's like his face was all like, that's how he looked. So Rabbi Yechanan, Rabbi Yechanan is an old man, and he has eyebrows, is like covering his face. So they asked for like silver combs to remove his eyebrows so he could see. I don't exactly know what it means, but he had very bushy eyebrows. He couldn't really see, he needed help to see. So he sees Rabbi Kahana. And this is Rabbi Yechanan, was one of the most handsome men, right? He was a member of the whole series of Shlagish, right? So he's a very handsome guy. He was always, he was thought to be a woman. He had no beard. So he sees Rabbi Kahana, he thinks Rabbi Kahana is smirking at him. So Mara says that he got so angry. So the same way Shlagish died, Rabbi Yechanan got angry. Rabbi Kahana dies. And again, dies. I don't know exactly what it means. Anyhow, so he dies and he is, the next day he comes to share and he's like, where's the Kahana guy? He's like, oh, he's dead. You know, you got angry at him yesterday. <laughs> He says, oi. Then he goes, and the, the, the cave of Kahana is surrounded by a big poisonous snake. So he says, snake, let me in. I, I'm coming to see my student. The snake doesn't budge. So he says, listen, snake, I'm coming to see my colleague. My chaver, snake doesn't budge. He says, okay, snake, I'm coming to see my rabbi. Snake moves. <laughs> so he goes, he goes, the Lord says, he dies, or Kahana should come back and, 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 and you know, revive. And 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 Kachav, and that's what happened. The reason I'm sharing with you the story is that sometimes making Aliyah there to Israel wasn't just for a shidduch, it wasn't just for uh, learning Torah. It was sometimes literally because it's a kind of to save their own life because he had a problem. So he had different reasons that people made Aliyah. Happens nowadays also. You always find people who uh, making Aliyah, making Aliyah, making Aliyah because the crime, the, the crime that they did, the, the law is after them. No, it's not a new thing, but there was always different reasons why people made Aliyah in those days, as it applies to Israel. Well. Shkai. Yeah. Shkai. 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 Shkai.